Town Bank Mortgage, NMLS number 512138, is an equal housing lender. This podcast is for informational purposes only. And now, the man born with a 5 o'clock shadow and with the NMLS number 2028201. He is a gentleman. He is a scholar. He is... Tyler Crawley. Welcome, everyone, to the Wednesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am the aforementioned host of this podcast, Tyler Crawley. And we got some good stuff to get to. Not going to lie. Um, we got, we're going to talk home price growth. It's always so funny because the end of the year, end of the year, end of the week, that's the word I was looking for. End of the week, we usually get, of course, the Case Schiller um, index, you know, the gold standard when it comes to home prices, as well as the same day we get FHFA. And there's also some other housing data that we get at the end of the month. But the beginning of the month, we always get Black Knight, um, their home price index, and then we get CoreLogic's home price index. So we're going to be talking about the latest one. That would be CoreLogic. Uh, we're also going to be a fascinating piece. I probably should finish my sentence there. Um, we're also going to be talking about this fascinating piece. I tend to do that, don't I? Where it's like my, this has always been the case in my life. My brain works way faster than my mouth, which is pretty amazing because I can talk kind of fast. But it still works faster. And so, like, I'm already on the next sentence. And so sometimes just to catch up, I'll skip the ending of the sentence I'm currently in. So it happens. You will get used to it. There's a great piece in the Wall Street Journal about some of these startups that started during the housing boom that kind of made sense at the time and now don't. And they probably should go away and more likely will. So we're going to talk about that. As well, but let's start with, oh, well, you know, I got to bring this up. So last night, you know, I record this the night before. And so I'm recording. So right now, this is live for me. <laughs> You'll be listening tomorrow morning. While I'm, I'm, I'm like, all right, I want to stream it live. You know, so people who want to see, because I, I like the live part of this. I do live to tape for a reason. I enjoy it. Uh, I kind of miss radio. I always love kind of being live for three hours and I, I, you know, I love podcasts, but I really still to this day enjoy live broadcasts. I just do. I do uh, not the state of the union. I don't like that. We're not, I'm not going to be watching that um, at all. I hated it when I was on the radio and now that I don't have to watch it, I'm thrilled. I don't like that, but I love live events. I just, for some reason, I've always been, I've always liked them. So I was like, you know what? I'm recording this podcast. I'm doing it live to tape. I might as well stream it. And so I've, you know, I've tried Facebook. I was going to, I was going to try Twitter and I don't know what happened. <laughs> like I was going to do it. And then my, my camera told me it wasn't recording. And then I went on my Twitter feed and it was broadcasting. Like I thought the camera wasn't working and I was broadcasting and I was like, Ooh, man, I'm glad I found that. Out. <laughs> Just leave it broadcasting all night. I mean, there's nothing going on in this, in this, in my, office but i was like uh man that's a little a little problematic uh but i am gonna try and stream this show uh i'm gonna definitely try and do it sunday nights and then try and do it other nights as i can and there's not going to be any time frame you know i mean i have a job now so i can't be like i'm gonna broadcast every night at six or seven some days it's gonna be seven sometimes eight sometimes five <laughs> you know i just never know i never know what i'm gonna be doing i do have a real job now 
So I can't uh, focus my life around a broadcast schedule. So you'll never know. Um, and my goal is to get on YouTube. My goal is to broadcast on YouTube. I don't have, this is so embarrassing to admit, um, I don't have enough followers or subscribers, I guess it would be on YouTube to broadcast live. I think, I don't know if you, I'm at 24. Is it 25? Do I only need one? Or it might be 100, which I'm very far away from. So one day I'd like to be on YouTube, but I am not there yet. I am I'm not. I'm not famous enough. <laughs> it's just the sad reality of my situation. I am not famous enough. All right. Let's talk about core logic, shall we? Okay. So I like this report. This is a good report. It's kind of like the redheaded stepchild of the Case Shiller index. Uh, but I like I like the home price. It's, the, it's one of the first reports that we get. It gives you kind of an idea of what we could see at the end of the month. And for the month of December, this is closing out 2022. Home prices fell to 6.9% year-over-year growth. Nice. Nice. 6.9. <laughs> that joke will never get old. 6.9%. That is down from the 8.6% growth that we saw in November. And in fact, this is the lowest rate of appreciation that we have seen since the summer of 2020. So uh, things are slowing down very quickly and also not surprising month over month, another decline, a 0.4% decrease from November. That is a bigger drop than the 0.2% that we saw in November. And it's actually the sixth straight month of month over month declines. And that's what we saw in uh, Black Knight, they were at six months. Now, from what I saw, I believe CoreLogic has home prices down 3% from the peak. Black Knight had home prices down 5% from the peak. So there's a little difference there, but they both have home prices falling month over month for six straight months. And there was another big revelation in this report that is, is kind of funny when you think about it. For the first time since the start of like the real housing boom not one single metro area <clears throat> excuse me not one single I'm, I'm tearing up here <laughs> i'm choking up it's so sad it's quite the milestone uh for the first time not a single metro area saw 20 percent or more year over year growth moment of silence for the 20 percenter Miami was close. They were trying. They were at 19.5%. So they just missed it. But yeah, I mean, it, we have not. This is the first time we've seen that since this thing really took off, probably late 2020. So it's been a good run. You know, I think Phoenix was leading at one point, And uh, I think, I know Phoenix, Las Vegas, I think may have been a leader at one point, And Miami was the last one. I think the last report, they were like just over 20, 21%. Uh, but they were close. Like I said, 19.5%. And they are by far the biggest city with regards to appreciation. I mean, like the clo the next closest was Houston, 8.7%. So, I mean, they're more than double the next closest person. Chicago was third, up 5.8%. And then Phoenix Remember, they used to be on top. They were like a 30% at one point. Uh, they're up 5% year over year. 
Uh, and thanks to hot markets like Miami and Tampa and Orlando, I believe Florida is still the hottest state with 15.3% year over year growth, followed by Vermont. Where do they come from? Up 13. I guess it's, well, no, it's winter. I was going to say maybe in the summer people are going, no, it's, it's weird. Uh, Vermont's uh, number two, 13.5%. South Carolina rounding out the top three, 12.2%. And I believe, from my memory, I don't have it here on paper, um, North Carolina was number five. They, they were tied with Colorado, maybe? Um, up like 10%, something like that. So, And I was like seven of the 10 states were Southern. Shocker. Shocker. I know. Uh, and it should be noted, Idaho was the first state to post a year-over-year decline. So we got one. Remember in the, well, the Case Shiller report, uh, San Francisco was the first area to see a year-over-year decline, d- decline, not to cry. Looking ahead, the CoreLogic HPI forecast says that home prices will decrease month over month. So January, last month, when we get this report in a little while, uh, will show a 2% drop month over month in January. Or for January and the year over year appreciation, they're actually saying it will be up 3% a year from now, which is interesting because home prices are falling right now, uh, month over month. But they're saying that right now, if you buy your home will be worth 3% more than it was worth this time now. (laughs) That was a weird way to phrase that sentence. They're saying if you buy a home now, it'll be worth 3% more than it is right now. There we go. Uh, That is up from the 2.8% that they predicted in December. And of course, disclosure as always, uh, they've never been right one time (laughs) that I've seen it. I was actually going back trying to find when um, we were at 6.9%. It was kind of hard to find it. But it was funny going back and it was like December 2020. And the CoreLogic HPI forecast was like 3%. Year over year, three <laughs> percent. Like the year after, it was like twenty percent. They were off a little bit, so they've never been right. We'll see. Maybe, maybe they'll finally. A yeah, broken clock's right at least twice. I'm not calling Core Logic a broken clock. I like Core Logic. They do a good job. I'm just saying their projections have not been so accurate ever, ever. Uh, Selma Hep, chief economist for Core Logic, said prices continue to fall but the rate decline has slowed, saying, quote, the continued slowing of home prices at the end of 2022 reflects weaker housing market demand primarily caused by higher mortgage rates and more pessimistic economic outlook in general. But while prices continued to fall from November, the rate decline was lower than what we have seen in the summer and still adds up to only a 3% cumulative drop. So... Not bad. Smaller than what we saw with Black Knight. So not bad overall. But the housing market is slowed down. We all know that. In fact, it reached a bottom, according to many economists, in December. And now things are picking up, but we got a ways to go. And when things are really hot, the housing market changes. The dynamic changes. Uh, One of the things, now this is always true. Cash is always king, right? Cash is king is a is a saying for a reason. There's never a time when having cash is bad. I mean, sure, sure, you could say, well, right now with very high inflation, uh, you know, having cash in the bank probably isn't the best investment strategy. But being liquid, 
having cash is, is never really a bad thing. And during the housing market boom, making a cash offer was, was awesome. I mean, people were getting offers all over the place, but there was a concern because mortgage companies were so slammed, closing attorneys were so slammed, appraisers were so slammed, you just didn't know if the process for buying a home was gonna work out. Now, if you can remove at least two of those components, the mortgage company and the appraisal company, and all you need is a closing attorney, you're in kind of a better situation. <laughs> you're not reliant on the appraisal, I should say. You're not reliant on, uh, did you get the right mortgage lender? Did you, you know, Do they have the right process set up? Someone gives, someone says, I'll pay you cash. You're like, you know, you're closing. Now, what was crazy is that even during the boom, it wasn't super easy. Like you still had to make sure you pick the right closing attorney because if they're slammed and couldn't get to it, it could still take 30 days <laughs> or whatever to get it closed. Where cash, normally you can close a lot quicker than that. So all of a sudden cash deals became very attractive. And like I said, they're always kind of attractive, but they really became attractive during that time. And so these, these companies popped up that were like, we, well, here's what we can do. We can make a cash offer on your behalf. And then when you get financing, we'll sell you the house. It was kind of weird. It was kind of like a middleman is basically all it was, is that they make, so you, you find your dream home, you're worried, you know, that they're not going to accept your offer. You got to, you got to do, remember people were writing like love letters and promising all this dumb stuff. This was a way to, to get the attention of the seller and they go, Ooh, a cash offer. Ooh, we like that. That's great. I mean, no one was turning down cash offers unless you just had like a crazy, amazing house and you were getting multiple cash offers. Then you really had to make your cash offer stand out. You throw a cash offer, it's going to get accepted. So these companies started popping up that were like, we'll, like I said, we'll give you the cash. We'll buy the house. And then when you get financing, you know, we'll hold the house, maybe let you move into it, pay rent or whatever. And then you can buy the house from us. And it made sense at the time. Well, things have slowed down in case you haven't noticed. And it doesn't really make that much sense anymore to, <laughs> to be able to do this. And then there's another problem that has unexpectedly arisen. Uh, so this is from the Wall Street Journal. Ribbon Home Incorporated had a fast-growing business during the housing boom. The New York City-based startup purchased homes with cash on behalf of buyers. Then it sold those homes to the buyers at the same price plus a fee when the buyers got a mortgage. This approach made their clients' offers more appealing, as we just discussed. But last year, as mortgage rates surged, some ribbon customers backed out of the purchases or needed more time to get financing. That has left the company owning nearly 400 homes. So they've now become a landlord. <laughs> at best, at worst, they're sitting on vacant properties. Orchid Technologies, another power buyer that has been active in places like Denver and Dallas, help customers buy new homes before selling their previous home. If the clients can't sell their home after four months, Orchid agrees to buy them. Excuse me, Orchid. Or, no, Orchid. I was right. Yeah, there we go. Uh, agrees to buy them. <laughs> and pronouncing it one way or the other. The company now owns about 200 homes its customers were unable to sell. The chief executive, Court Cunningham, said they had to buy homes from customers three times as frequently 
over the past six months. So all of a sudden, things have changed. Um, online home flipping companies have also experienced turbulence. Not surprisingly, Ribbon has let go about 170 employees or 85% of its staff and still needs to unload its surplus of houses. Now, about half those homes, they're going to sell in the open market because their customers just didn't follow through on the purchase. <laughs> I mean, that's got to suck. The other half, uh, they're hoping to sell to the original customers, many of whom are renting the houses from Ribbon right now. And man. Uh, And then here's the other big problem is they talk about how, well, Ribbon's going to change their business model and Orchid's going to change their business model. But some people have said, these companies don't make any sense when the housing market's slow. Like, why would you go to one of these companies? It, It doesn't matter. I mean, now what matters is you put an offer in from a good mortgage company like <clears throat> Town Bank Mortgage. Um, then you put a good you put a good offer in, and that's that's all that's going to be needed. Um, this cash is king. Sure, it benefits, but why would you spend the money? You're going to get the mortgage anyway, and you're going to pay a fee to the middleman. Who's doing that? It doesn't make any sense, um, and it, it makes even less sense because most of these companies were started during the era of free money, 0% interest rates. And now venture capital and equity and everyone, they, they just don't have the money to um, throw at these stupid companies anymore. <laughs> so they're like, nah, we're good. So I have a feeling that those companies are uh, not long for this world. It's probably not going to happen. Uh, real quick here before we go, we did get some credit data from the New York Fed The amount of credit consumers used in December rose by a scant, that was their word, not mine, 2.9%. That's the smallest uptick in more than two years. A lot of people have been watching consumer credit, concerned that credit usage has skyrocketed as prices have skyrocketed, pointing out that wages are not keeping up with inflation. So people are then turning to credit cards to bridge that gap, which is a recipe for disaster as eventually you're now paying higher credit card payments, crowding out more of your other discretionary income, which really reduces consumer spending in the long run. Uh, And then, well, for those that don't know, Biden has not gotten rid of a lot of the tariffs that the Trump administration put on a lot of products. Uh, In fact, he has doubled down and tripled down in some cases. And well, I don't know what they're supposed to be doing because the U.S. trade deficit widened in December, reversing half of the prior month's sharp contraction as imports rebounded and exports of goods dropped to a 10-month low. So trade deficit increased to end 2022. Oh, and then I got to mention this, and I've, I've already messed up the page that I had it on. Jerome Powell spoke today. A lot of people were watching it because they wanted to see, you know, obviously what Powell was going to say, but especially since that last meeting. And, you know, he, (laughs) as always, Powell just does not mince words. He's like, this is what's going on. Um, He told, is it David Rubenstein? I think I was interviewing him. He said, I'm not going to try to persuade people to have a different forecast, but our forecast is that we will take some time and some patience and that we'll need to keep rates higher for longer. As if people didn't get the message, here it is again. Rates are going to stay higher for longer. 
couldn't make it any more. He couldn't make it simpler. You know, that's as black and white as you can get. All right, we got to go. Um, I think there's nothing going on today. Mortgage demand. I think that's it. I think that's all we're getting. And we had some we had some really good rate moves last week. So I have a feeling that that mortgage demand is going to be up. It could even be like a big spike, like double digits, just because we had some really good rate movement last week. Not the end of the week. Friday was rough <laughs> with that jobs report, but leading up to it, some really so I'm that's my prediction. Not an economist prediction, that's my prediction. Maybe a double digit jump week over week for mortgage demand. We will see. We'll talk about it on probably a very short next podcast. But you guys, enjoy your Wednesday. We'll see you back here Thursday morning for another edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait. <laughs>